The 120th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. And we got some news for Carolina basketball as one player announced their return and another announced their departure. We'll tell you who those guys are and more. But before we get into that, we start every edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And we go back to... Former UNC graduate turned actor Andy Griffith, who, of course, those of you that are from the South are very familiar with the Andy Griffith show. And Andy was famously quoted as saying, do a good good day's work and act like somebody. That's what we're going to do on this podcast today. We're going to do a good day's work and we're going to act like respectable podcast hosts. I thought you were going to go with, gosh darn it, Barney. No. That one didn't make it? No, nope. it's okay. It's okay. Andy Griffith, uh, what, what an absolute legend, um, in the state of North Carolina. One of one of my uh, one of my favorite go to television shows from the past. That yeah, one always that that one always gives me a chuckle. It's 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 a relatively good show that's still it still slaps today, as the kids would say. It's still- by the way the best the best person on that show actually gets his own show later on. Go- Gomer Pyle kills me. Man. Yeah, he is so funny. Um, so there's your pod thought of the day, but let's go ahead and dive right into the news that I teased at the beginning of the show. Mentioned Carolina did announce that, that one player was returning for next season, and that would be Armando Baycott. The junior made it known today via his Twitter and social media handles that he will, in fact, be returning for his senior season. For those of you that watched the video, you would have thought by the way he started out the video that he was leaving because he was exp- expressing how thankful he was to be a part of Carolina basketball, this experience this past year, winning the big games, making the runs to the national championship. By the way that the tweet was captioned, Tar Heel forever with the heart, would have also led you to believe that he was gone. So I, I, I saw the video through a quote tweet, so I already knew what the, what the thing was. If you caught it right, like if you had his notifications on, you were probably like, whoa. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it caught on so quickly where most people that watch the video, you just watched it to see what he eventually said. But, yeah, that you're right. If, if you saw it just cold, no clue what was happening, I thought for sure that was him saying maybe that he wasn't, maybe not that he was gone, but 
that he was testing the waters because he's he did that the first two years, right? Didn't he do it last year as well? Yes, I know last so, year for sure he went through the year before. Remember because that was the COVID year that that stuff didn't that stuff didn't oh, happen. Oh yeah, okay, that you're right, you're right. Um, that stuff didn't didn't take place. So, um, but then about midway through the video, he said that the job's not finished, and this was something that Hubert Davis kind of echoed in his radio show. On, uh, on Monday to kind of close down the season, pretty much saying that he's had positive talks with, you know, you had the Iron Five that, that took you to the title game. Well, we, we know Brady Manick for sure can't come back. He's, he's exhausted his, his eligibility. So now you got the core four of Baycott, D- uh, Love, Davis, and, and Black. And, and he expressed that they had positive conversations that led him to believe that all four would be coming back. But We'd be awaiting their decisions throughout the week and, th- and through the holiday weekend. But Armando Baycott, the first one to announce, he is coming back for a senior season. And, of course, he led Carolina in scoring and rebounding while also setting the program record for most double-doubles in a season. He set the record for most total rebounds in a season. Also tied David Robson for the most double-doubles all-time in a regular season in college basketball Division One history. Became the first Tar Heel to ever record – or the first player ever – in the history of the NCAA tournament, to record six consecutive double doubles, um, just an all-time special season from him. Um, he put together as remarkable a season as as anyone has in the last fifteen to twenty years of Carolina basketball. When you're being mentioned in the same name, uh, the same breath as Tyler Hansborough or Sean May or or what Bryce Johnson did in 2015-16 individually, you're in really good company and. Um, with his return, that leads us to a, a lot of questions that are positive questions, but they do lead some to some, some questions. And the the first one is is what does the return of Baycott mean for Carolina next season? The short answer is is you have your inside post presence, and with the way Carolina wants to play under Huber Davis, they only want one post presence on the court at all times because they want to play for round one. Had, had had he left, you would have no post presence that you could count on entering next season. But with him back, you now have the one guy that you know if you need to put the ball inside, you can put the ball inside and he's either going to get a bucket, he's going to draw a foul, or he's going to miss a shot, grab the offensive rebound and go right back up with it and, and still try to attack you. Um, so what were your initial thoughts about Baycott making his announcement for his return for his senior season? Made It made a lot of sense to me. I thought, again, we, we talked about it when we were discussing this in the last edition of the podcast. It just didn't really make a whole lot of sense for him to go to the NBA um, in, in terms of where he's at on draft boards. This is a guy that fits the college game so well. Mm-hmm. And like he said, and he said this again in the video, I want to leave a legacy at Carolina. And, and he's done that. And again, it's it's going to be – Interesting to sort of figure out where he fits in Carolina lore uh, because, well, I mean, you've got so many great big men that you got to pick through. Yeah, but as, as Brennan Marks has kind of noted um, throughout this, the, the, the postseason, if he came back, he was going to put himself to where he, he'll leave as the all-time rebounds leader in the history of Carolina basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, unless something happens or an injury or something and the season gets cut short, if he plays a full season, he will have totaled the most rebounds ever by a Tar Heel. Which is even more shocking when you consider the fact that his sophomore season, he was looked at as probably what? Your second or third best rebounder on on the team? So it's not – it wasn't always a situation where – 
he was just dominating the glass. But yeah. this year, he took it to a new level. And what he did this year is, I mean, it's going to be hard. It's honestly going to be hard to top. Mm. Um, but I feel confident that he can be just as dominant next year because it's clear that teams were having a game plan for him later in the season. Really, they they were having a game plan for him from the start of the year because we talked about him in the preseason as a potential ACC Player of the Year candidate. So, which he'll enter next year, he'll be on the. I put in the article that I wrote today. He will be one of the favorites for the Wooden Award. Yeah, and he should be. And he'll be the ACC preseason Player of the Year. And like, so you know, with him coming back, there's going to be the the the, the expectations start and end with him. And the, the legacy thing. Look, the the individual legacy that's there. Your 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 jersey's going to hang in the rafters for what you did this season to some capacity. I just wonder how much the first two years, with the lack of success that the team had overall, how does that affect how people view his career? Because, look, if that team, let's say even in 19, that team just makes the tournament field, advances to the second round. Let's say last year that team goes to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. And then you have this year's run. I mean, we're we're talking about him probably in the same breath. I don't know about Hansborough because of just how dynamic of a scorer he was. And James Worthy was a rare guy as well. But is he not in some of those same breaths like Sam Perkins, Rasheed Wallace? Like well, he's probably in those breaths. I'm not. It's not a good thing that his first two years you were dealing with the pandemic, where the pandemic cut your first season short, and then right. the second year it affected your season as it did everybody's season. But everyone will look back at his time through those lenses because it was just a different time of college athletics. It was the, a different time in college basketball. The other thing with him, I, I think coming out of high school, the expectations for him were just... They were through the they, roof. They were frankly unrealistic. Like, they... I don't know... Did people expect him to honestly come in and be this dude that was putting up 25 and 15 as a true freshman like we we don't we don't see anybody do that you just had a guy in Palo Bancaro who they told us was the second coming of Jordan now maybe not second coming of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and I mean he he had some solid numbers but my thing was I think Carolina fans expected this dude to come in and really to basically be Hansborough you ain't going to have many of those, man, well, that are going to be that great as a freshman coming out. It was also like you thought, okay, he was coming out of high school. He was a big that ran the floor. He's not a big now that we've seen him for three years up close and personal. Doesn't run the floor all that well. Well, the other thing is, is remember, running the floor in high school is a lot different than running the floor in college basketball. At Carolina, where, where your definition of running the floor and my definition of running the floor – and Roy Williams' definition of running the floor, all three are very different variations of what they think. Yeah, and look, seriously, coming out of the high school game, and look, he played at... IMG. He was IMG. I I, I try, I get that one and, and Monverde mixed up. He... Monverde was Daron De- Sharp. Was Sharp. When you're, now, you're playing against much better competition than a lot of the the rest of the country is. But still, when you're pushing the floor... You're still pushing it against guys that are 
lesser athletes than you're going to face in the ACC, where when you come in, you're facing juniors and seniors that are saying, hey, you want to run the floor, I can do it better than you. Well, So that's where I think things kind of changed a little bit for him. And now, I mean, he runs the floor all right. It's not great, but I think he's also, clearly he's added more to his frame, and he plays a little bit different. He plays the way Carolina needs him to. Getting back to the legacy aspect of this, the individual legacy is there. But and, and I'll steal it from my guy, Isaac Shade, who's been a guest on this podcast, who now hosts uh, Locked on Tar Heels podcast. His image following the, the, the loss in the title game was a hobbled Armando Baycott on two bad ankles limping up the court to try to go catch Kansas. He's coming back to win a national championship to be the 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 face of a, a redemption part two type of team. And that's and that's what Carolina, if you return every guy outside of Brady Manick, that's gonna be the theme all offseason long going into the season. And when you get to that tournament is redemption part two. But that that's the legacy he wants to leave. He he wants he wants to win a national championship. Like and you you could tell that by the way he played in that final while hurt. He admitted after the game and we, we noticed this in the pregame. You didn't see him because he told you before he walked on the court after introductions, he couldn't jump. He couldn't move. He could see it the first minute or two of the game. But he played Bef- 38 minutes, and if that, if that leg doesn't give out, maybe we're talking about Carolina cutting down the nets. Like, But, but that's, that's why he's coming back. Yeah, the the interesting thing is you kind of wonder if this team doesn't make the final four, does does he then just go ahead and at, may, may, maybe he's not completely gone, but does he not maybe test the waters? Yeah, I mean. Because may- I think once he got a taste of how close he actually was, he said, man, if we can get everybody back and be another year older, we know what that tastes like with a younger team. We got a heck of a chance to get back and actually win this thing this well, time. And that brings us to the next question is is do we expect the other members of the and I'm just going to call them the core four to come back and look I've I've already we 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 expressed in the last episode RJ Davis unless he gets really bad information. So I put him I put him in the article, but at this point it is he is he just known as coming back? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't because if he doesn't come back, oh he'll he'll have to block me on Twitter because how angry I'm gonna be ba- look, about him leaving. I I know this is this is a touchy subject considering what happened earlier in the season with some Toriel fans wanting someone to be fired. If R.J. Davis goes to the M- goes and pursues an NBA career, <laughs> Pat Sullivan should be fired. <laughs> that is what he's there for to evaluate these guys on an NBA level. There is no way that you're looking at R.J. Davis and saying, "Hey, man, I think you should go to the NBA." And so you know, and as we talked about with Leakey, it's kind of more about with him. Is he over the college basketball experience, mm-hmm. college fatigue? You know, you and, know. and does he want to go through another year? With a fan base that for his four years has been toxic, which leads us to love. And, and you know, we both expressed when we, we talked about this in the last edition of the show that we think they're all coming back. And Hubert Davis has since echoed that he thinks they're all coming back. But I do think they were hand-in-hand hand, where I think if, if Baycott announced he was going pro, I think Caleb Love would say, I'm going to go pro. 
But I think if, if Baycott said, hey, I'm going to come back, we're going to run it back again, I do think that lends more to Caleb Love coming back and running it back again because if you bring back all four of those guys and then you, 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 you've you got the recruiting class that you've got coming in, you've got the guys off the bench that played big, big roles for you in the tournament, Styles against Baylor and Puff Johnson in that title game, mm-hmm. um, and then you get a, a guy or two guys maybe in the portal – you're going to have a really, really good shot at getting back to the Final Four, but you got to have love. Well, you got some good true freshmen coming in, too. Yeah, and, and, and I, I... The thing, I, I think with love, there's a couple of different things. One, the NIL factor is huge for him. Yes. I think the fact that he saw his stock rise as much on the NIL market as just about anybody, maybe outside of old Doug Eater... Well, I mean, and, uh, and, and look at look at the spotlight Carolina was in the last month and a half of the season. And who was the guy that, when people talked about Carolina, who did they talk about? As great as Baycott was individually, whenever you asked about Carolina, it was, well, what's Caleb Love going to do? What's well, because they don't play for a national championship if he doesn't play as well as he— First of all, they don't beat UCLA if he doesn't play as well yep. as he did, and they don't beat Duke if he didn't play as well as he did in the Final Four game. So— I think what could happen with him is you could see him do what Armando did last year. You could see him say, hey, look, I'm going to go through the process. I'm going to see where I'm at and let some of these guys tell me, hey, man, this is what you need to work on to be a part of our roster. Well, And I think that might be what Pat Sullivan tells him. Look, you've got some, you, you've got some things that you've got to work on. Let them tell you what you need to work on to fit what they want to do. So when you get to this point next year, or if for some reason you have to wait even another year, they are going to. Be, if you're working on the specific things that they are asking you, you will have a guarantee from a team heading into the draft, which is all you can ask for as a guy coming out in the draft. Well, I w- they they should encourage every single one of their players. To go through the process as far as I can, because remember, you still have to be officially invited to the actual combine. Right, and he would. He's he's it, it, talented enough. He would go exactly. For so, sure. um, and look, that's not a bad thing for these guys to go through the process to figure out where they need to get better. As long as this is something Roy Williams always said. But remember, when his guys would do it, they they didn't get to go through the process. They just entered their name in the draft, and Roy got back the information. Yep. But as long as you're coming back. To yes, better yourself as an individual player, but to help North Carolina basketball win and compete for national championships. And look, there's no. Here's the thing: there is no questioning that now. If you don't, and we're, I'm one of the people that said it midseason that I I questioned how much does he actually love playing for Carolina? Does he just love playing for Caleb Love? Does he just want to get to the next level? I don't know why I said Caleb Love because you were going to go. Does he love him some love? Yeah, I, I went Lavar there. Um, I I just there is no question in my mind that this dude cares about Carolina because you don't see a dude sobbing on the court like that the seconds after they lose a championship if he doesn't care about the team if he doesn't care about the guys that he's playing with. I I would say this last year when Baycott went. I wasn't really nervous. I kind of knew, okay, that's what he's going for. I don't see – because he wasn't on any draft boards. Now, I haven't gone as in-depth looking at the draft boards as I probably should at this point, 
I feel like Caleb Love is that guy that if he did enough at the combine, he could start getting into that late first, early second combo. And that makes me a little bit more nervous. So I get it if he tests the waters. Well, like the worst thing about his tournament run was when when you throw on the tape of that second half against UCLA and then the shots he made in the the final eight minutes of that game against Duke, that stuff's going to stand out. What was also going to stand out is what he did in the title game which it wasn't just him. The whole backcourt struggle that night where he could not right. he could not get it going, and it was evident where he couldn't get past defenders on the perimeter, which is why I, I would still go through the process, figure out where you gotta, you got to get better. Mm-hmm. But I do think with Armando coming back, the other guys are more willing and, and, and apt to he, come back. He's going to recruit them. Let's just say that. He's going to do everything he possibly can to get all these guys back. He's already shown you that. One last question on the Baycott front before we take a break. Is him returning alone enough to vault Carolina back into the national title discussion? No. I don't think so either. I think I think you got to – I think if you want to – I think if you get him – if you get him, RJ – And Leaky, I have, oh, man. I think you've got a shot. I think you've got a good team. I I think we would feel about that team going into next year as we thought about this team going into this year. Yeah, you would just, you'd have to have Dontre Styles, or in that case, <laughs> is there a role for Kerwin Walton? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I, I, but, but even that, that's one where. I would I, that situation. I'd have to do more digging on the rest of the teams around college basketball to kind of figure out where exactly I'm at. If they get if they get the whole trio back though, of of guys that we think are considering leaving because we think RJ staying, I, I I don't I don't see any way that this isn't a team that's looked at as a Final Four contender, if not. I mean that's that's probably your expectation going into oh, yeah. the year. Yeah, if if everybody comes back, they they enter next season with national title aspirations or bust, which is which is a lot to ask of a second year head coach. But when you do what you did in your first year as a head coach and you bring the the majority of those pieces back, that's and especially at, at this place where that's the expectation year in year out anyway, eh, it's it's just gonna. Up the pressure on 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 this team going into next season. One of our P ones was not happy that you set that expectation uh, or that the the bar high uh, earlier today when you sent the text messages about Armando coming back. Yeah, <laughs> he said, "Way to set lofty expectations out of the gate." It's like, well, I mean, <laughs> this we are me. calling it the Redemption Tour Part Two. And this, so this is me, the guy who is the most realistic but unrealistic Tar Heel fan. That does exist. So, That's true. With that, guys, we're going to take a very quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then we come back, more news about the one player Carolina lost today to the transfer portal. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet 
on NBA Hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast as well. We mentioned Carolina did lose a guy to the portal today. Did not come too much as a shock as Dawson Garcia, after just one season in Chapel Hill, did enter the portal um, after coming to Carolina last year via the portal when he left Marquette, um, citing wanting to get back to to his family, getting closer back to his family. We've we've touched on the family issues he's he's dealt with off the court for the last year and a half or so, and. It's really understandable by a kid who's who's gone through the, the the family tragedies that he's gone through would like to be back closer to home and there's no there's no way to deny that that did not affect his play on the basketball court because he should have been he should have been um, what's the word I'm looking for here distracted because he had more real important life issues going on outside of putting the ball you know in in a hoop and uh, he did that relatively well he played in 15 games for Carolina. Average nine points per game in those contests, and um, it, it was just it was weird because I think we knew all along, even when he was starting over Brady, that Brady should have been in the starting lineup. But Hubert was doing what Hubert thought was best, and then he suffers a concussion against Boston College. He misses the game against Notre Dame. That effectively vaulted Manic into the starting lineup for the rest of the season. Garcia becomes a player, comes off the bench. It's not too long after that where he does a you know step away to go be with his family. And then three months later, he's now in the portal and no longer be a part of, of Carolina basketball. But, you know, outside of the issues he dealt with off the court, on the court, you could tell that there was a disconnect there as well. I, I thought it was kind of evident early on that it didn't, Fit because remember of all the transfers Carolina brought in over last summer, Garcia, Manic, and Justin McCoy, we were all kind of more excited about the prospects of Dawson Garcia than Manic because of what we saw Dawson do to us in Chapel Hill as a member of that Marquette team that beat us, where he scored twenty four and eleven, and all of his different intangibles of what he could do on the basketball court, and it turned out to not be the case. Um, as as he really struggled to fit in on both ends of the court for Carolina, and then Manic just became this this you know this folklore legend, a guy that we'll we'll never forget in Carolina history, even though he was only here for one season. But um, I I do think that you know it was it was just strange when he exited because we didn't really hear from him. Hubert Davis never really updated us about his status. It was just he's away from the team. He's not going to be coming back the rest of the season. And then it got awkward when you get to the NCAA tournament. Carolina, ironically enough, meets Marquette in the tournament. That was their first-round opponent. Carolina blows them out very easily. And in the postgame, a reporter asked him a question about, hey, did you hear anything back from your, your, your from Dawson about 
you know, beating, you know, the former team and advancing in the tournament. And they didn't answer the question. They just kind of, they, 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 they literally laughed the question off. And I think that was really the, really the, the, the eye-opening sign to say, there's bigger issues at play here, and we need to be prepared for, Gar- to, to, for Garcia to not be a part of this team heading into next season. Yeah, and look, I don't know if there, I don't know if there's beefs with the, within the team. I, I have, I have no idea, and I'm not going to try to speculate on that. Maybe it was just them. I mean, who knows? Who knows what context? Maybe it's them laughing, like, "Hey, he's kind of got more serious stuff that he's worried about." Um, but I have no idea. In terms of the disconnect with the team and 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 the struggles that he had on the court, I mean, I think they just kind of go hand in hand with the mm-hmm. situation that was happening at home. Um, the other thing is, is I think yes, like you said, a lot of people were looking at his game against Carolina back in 2020 and saying, or or uh, excuse me, no, is that right? I'm getting my years. 2021. 2021. And they were basically thinking, well, this is what this guy brought every single night. He's going to be this consistent player. He wasn't really all that consistent as a true freshman at Marquette. He was kind of an up-and-down player, similar to what we saw from early on at Carolina. I thought he, look, I thought he played a lot better than he probably got credit for because early in the season, it was you were criticizing a lot of different guys because a lot of guys were struggling out of the gate. And let's be real honest, as Toriel fans, we were desperate to win some games. Yeah, it had been a while since you had the feeling of what we felt at the end of the season. Um, so I think that that was all kind of part of it. The other thing you mentioned that it felt like he was the guy that we thought was going to fit the system better, and I understand that, but. In terms of when you brought him and Brady Manick in, if you thought that he was going to come in and automatically be a better player than Brady Manick, I really Brady Manick was an extremely high floor with a pretty high ceiling that mm-hmm. maybe we didn't even realize. Yeah. Where you knew, okay, this guy has been there, done that for many years in the NCAA, and he's de- he's done it in a power conference. Now Dawson Garcia came from a power conference as well, but he played one year there. He was probably still trying to learn and settle into the college environment. And oh, by the way, that one season that he was at Marquette was probably the weirdest college basketball season we have ever seen. Yeah. And then he transfers to Carolina, so then he's basically having to readjust to the college lifestyle, all while going through the issues that he was having off the court, you know, in terms of the family illnesses and everything, um, that that just clearly had to sidetrack him a little bit. So it's it's one of the most unprecedented situations I think you will see. Um, and honestly, I think the thing that people should be taking away, and I don't think a lot of people are going to take this mindset. I think a lot of people are frankly going to be a-holes on social media, and they're going to say, well, good riddance to you. We don't want you. Um, when you should really be taking away the fact that this young man went through a lot, something that I don't think any of us would want to try to have to deal with in our first two years of college because we've we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We've all been there even just in daily life in jobs. It's hell sometimes. So 
I can't imagine having to go through everything that he went through. And now, look, I mean, he's making whatever the decision. If this decision is just he doesn't like Carolina and he wants to leave, okay, whatever. Carolina, here's the thing. In that case, it frees up that scholarship spot, and you can potentially get someone in there that's going to help you more than Dawson Garcia would be able to help you. But if it's the situation that I think it is, which is that he actually does want to be closer to his family and he goes and plays for Minnesota or even just another team in that area of the country, then I can't blame him. And I honestly commend him for doing that because – I think it's 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 hard on him, and I can't imagine how hard it is on the rest of his family too. So sometimes you have to make those tough decisions. The thing I hate the most for him, more than likely, unless he goes back to Marquette, which that would be a weird situation, this is probably going to be his third school in three years. Yeah. That's extremely tough. So I wish him the best wherever he goes, and – I mean, it's the, the situation is what it is. You have to take all of these elements into account when you address this situation. And my suggestion to people is you don't know the situation. Unless you're someone that knows his family or knows him, just let the situation be and focus on the fact that, hey, Armando's coming back. Well, the, the thing that you mentioned in, in that the most that was most important is that with him being gone, that frees up a scholarship, which is really important for Carolina because as of today, the NCAA hasn't decided if the COVID extra years that they granted all of these athletes is going to count towards or uh, as a scholarship. This oh, past because, year, it didn't. Because why Why would they? It's the NCAA, so why would they rush something like this? That's right, though. If you fake slide in a football game – We'll get that figured out the next week. But this can't get that figured out. And so that that had Carolina kind of in limbo when trying to go through the portal because before Garcia entered the portal, they didn't have an extra scholarship. Mm -hmm. Now that's available, which now brings into a guy that we've kind of hinted at on the pod, but we haven't gotten to a full-blown discussion yet because there was no reason to get into a discussion about. And we're not going to go into some lengthy conversation here about it. But that there there is a player that is already being recruited – by Armando Baycott because that's what Armando does. He is a social media recruiter for basketball players to come play at Carolina. And football. That being Terrence Shannon um, from Texas Tech, a guy who, if you watch the Big 12, is a big part of what the Red Raiders have done, what they did this year, um, making it into the second weekend of the tournament, um, and, and what they did last year. Um, and then and the, the last couple of years, he, he's been a really big part of that. And he entered the portal – um, and immediately Armando Baycott threw something up on his Instagram, just kind of making the message known, hey, we'd kind of like to have you. And Terrence Shannon is a guy that would be an immediate upgrade over Dawson Garcia and would provide that extra front court depth that Carolina is going to need next year if they want to cut down the nets because this past year against Kansas, they ran out of bodies. And um, he's been kind of list- labeled as a guy who was – Carolina's been kind of been on his mind, but he had to have a spot open up before he could make an announcement or anything like that. Now all of a sudden there's a spot open up, and there's reason to believe that that Hubert Davis will once again be able to go back into the, the portal and find a guy to to rebuild and restock this roster as Carolina will look to to finish the job next year and potentially win a national championship. I mean, he was an all-Big 12 player a year ago, not this past year that just finished up, but the year before that. Um, 
you know, scores the ball pretty well, 10.4 points a game, so pretty solid all-around player. I think what this does, so you're looking at him as a frontcourt guy. I think he's more of your wing guy. So, and look, that probably means that if he's starting for you, then Leakey's probably playing the four, or he's playing the four. You're, you're probably going to go pretty small. Mm-hmm. But what it does is I think it lets Puff Johnson probably focus a little bit more on that four spot, um, which, by the way, by the way, I got to bring this up. Somebody, they they were, a couple of Tar Heel fans were going back and forth on what the lineup would potentially look like. I think it was on Facebook the other night. And somebody said that Puff Johnson is a prototypical two. Can we uh, can we strike that notion? He's 6'7", guys. He's got some size on him. He's a legitimate enough player where he could play in the post. Um, But this move would allow him to do that. Um, and, and I think the thing about him is, is look, if you watch any Texas Tech basketball this past year, you know that Mark Adams' team was defense first. That was one of the main reasons they probably didn't advance that far in the NCAA tournament was because they couldn't shoot the ball great. For Carolina, they have the shooters, especially if you get back the guys that we were talking about just a little, a little while ago. And then you add Shannon to go along with Leaky Black. That's two yeah. really good perimeter defenders moving forward. That would be huge for Carolina. But yeah, you're right. This this is this is a big deal. And look, there are going to be other spots that get freed up here. Yeah. Um some but there are other guys who are going to explore the transfer portal. We saw that from Brent, our, our guy Brennan Marks said that earlier today on social media. So the look, there are other guys that are going to explore the transfer portal, so their scholarships will open up. And here's the thing: Toriel fans should be okay with that. Yep. So, yeah, I. But that's it's now you can start to seriously take a look at that option. You can feel a little bit more comfortable in the fact that hey, if GG Jackson was to want to reclassify, but it's just seeming more and more like that's not going to happen. There would be a spot open for him on the roster. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's never great, especially for this type of situation when a guy leaves. But for Carolina, you, you know now that you don't have to be as afraid as you were earlier that you're not going to be able to, to to meet the scholarship cap limit. You're going to have to force somebody out or something like that. It doesn't appear like that's going to be happening. Yep, and it'll be something that, of course, we'll keep you updated with on the website and right here on the Four Corners podcast. That's going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to go to the website, HealToughBlog.com, for all the latest on Armando Baycott returning, Garcia entering the portal, even some football recruiting uh, news and stories is up there as well. In addition to go back and check out all the stuff from the spring game, Anthony, as you covered on that front with a recap and a and a, a stock report from the spring game that commenced last weekend in Chapel Hill. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. You can like the pod, you can review the pod, but most importantly, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't, you don't miss any editions of the, thro- of the show throughout the offseason. 
That's going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.